Um, in my, my studies this week, uh, Galatians 2, 21, uh, Paul was talking. And I think this is just incredible. I mean, it's so relevant for today. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And when I think, as we talked about this morning, what Christ did on the cross for us, the beatings, the humiliation, all of that, his, his, that God in heaven turned his back on him. If it's the law that's going to save me, then Christ went through all of that for nothing. Yep. But that is not the case. And God is just, God is just waiting for people, more people, more people to turn to him and, and, and realize what Christ has done for them. And that, I'm just so overwhelmed with that in a great way. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, um, for this opportunity. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that the words that I say, Lord, would only be words from you, and that nothing I say, Lord, that doesn't come, that anything that I say, Lord, that doesn't come from you, Lord, would just be stricken from everybody's ears and hearts. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So when I found out this morning at about oh, 8.30-ish that James wasn't going to be here, I'm like, oh, um, let's put together a sermon really quick. Luckily, um, you know, I have youth messages, so I'm going to pretend you are all teenagers. <laughs> Isaac and Caleb and uh, Zach will fit right in. Um, <laughs> so, no, I just, I'm, I actually find it, it's a privilege for me to be able to speak to you guys um, and while I wasn't prepared, the Lord really impressed on my heart what he wanted me to speak about, um, and so I'm kind of excited. So, um, how many of you have taken part before in a three-legged race? Okay. So, what would happen if I put Joseph and Graciela in a three-legged race together, and they were a team? And Amy said, oh, kind of like um, the yoke. And I'm sure that's where you guys think I'm going with this, the oxen yoke, but it's not. Um, Joseph would have a greater influence in terms of that race and where they would go and how they would do more than Graciela would. And why? Because he's bigger because he's stronger. Knowing Joseph, because it's his daughter, he would probably just pick her up and run. <laughs> Some people would call that cheating. <laughs> um, but in a regular three-legged race where you're not picking up the other person and hauling them with you, um, you have to step in line with the other person. If you step, they have to step. Um, and you have to do it in sequence, and you have to do it in unity. And if you don't do that, um, you just don't win. You end up falling on the ground and you, you know, flat on your face. Um, and this is how influence works in our lives. Um, and sometimes it's not so obvious. And I imagine 
at one time or another in everybody's life, they have heard, and I'm sure all those teenagers and kids in the back are still hearing this, that person is a bad influence on you, or that thing is a bad influence for you, or that movie or that music or whatever is a bad influence. And while it's important to consider the people in our lives and the things in our lives, media and social media and all those kinds of things, um, and whether they're good or a bad influence on us, that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm actually going to talk about the influence that you guys have on other people. So turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And this is where Jesus is talking to the multitudes of people, and it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm sure all of you have heard about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and in Matthew 5, verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So in this verse, Jesus is calling us the salt of the earth. What's the purpose of salt? Well, both today and in the time of Jesus, salt is to season and preserve food. And salt was used a lot to preserve food before refrigeration. Um, I'm sure many of you have been over to the coast and seen um, the Lewis and Clark salt flats. Um, and they have like a little memorial or thing in Seaside that shows that. Um, salt is necessary and was necessary at that time as a mineral that had specific purpose for seasoning and for um, preserving food. So obviously, if we took this scripture literally, Jesus would be telling us to season and preserve food, but that doesn't make sense. So let's look at it metaphorically. God sees you as precious. You are valued. And like salt, we are also supposed to do what we can to preserve this world. We're called to season. We're called to enhance and preserve the world using our love to counter the evil that exists and keep it from spoiling others. In other words, our influence is critical. As believers, we should be preserving influence on our culture. Yes. Every single one of us should have some type of godly influence as we walk out those doors every single day until we get back here next Sunday. Because without our godly influence, this world would be spoiled. And it's not just our responsibility, it is the responsibility of believers everywhere. Evil disease, bacteria, COVID, whatever you want to call it, could conquer the world. But with God, we can overcome that. And with our influence, we can overcome that. And with our preserving the world, we also bring about the goodness that comes from God. So let's take a look at this scripture again. The, the scripture also talks about flavor, that salt, if it loses its taste, how shall, it be salt, how shall the saltiness be restored? And Jesus says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. So back in Jesus' day, 
and I'm sure some people do it now, if salt lost its flavor and it no longer was able to flavor something and season something, um, nowadays we would just throw it out. So if, let's see, it's not good anymore. There's nothing to do with it anymore, especially in our days. We have refrigeration, so we don't need that salt to preserve stuff. And this passage should be a warning to us as Christians, as believers. If we are the salt, but we lose our flavor or our influence, preserving, our, preserving qualities for this world, then we are no longer of value for the kingdom of God. That seems kind of harsh, but it's God's warning to us. He wants us to live as people on mission for him. And it needs to be our main priority in our lives. We all have jobs. We all go to school. We all have influence on family. We interact with people on a daily basis. And if we are not influencing them for the kingdom of God, what good are we? We've lost our flavor. So what priority do you place on your influence of other people? Is it important to you? Think about your family, your coworkers, your friends, even your church family here. Have you considered lately how you might be influencing them? Are you a good influence? Are you a bad influence? Or are you no influence? So some people will say, actually, I'm going to change gears. Let's talk about moralism versus true Christianity. When we think about our influence on others, it might be tempted to focus on good acts. I don't use foul language. I don't use drugs and alcohol. I don't hang out at the bar. I drive the speed limit. All of those things that are the right thing to do. Those are what we call moral behaviors. But they're not what Jesus is talking about here. He talks about us being the salt of the earth. And so moralism is the idea that the gospel is nothing more than behavior modification. So if you're focusing on the good deeds and the good acts, you're missing the point of the gospel. And that's a false gospel. When Jesus talks about our saltiness or our influence, he is not referring to our moral acts. He's actually referring to living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and obedience to Christ. And without taking the time to be in his presence, whether it be prayer or spending time with the Lord on a daily basis, how are you going to know what that guidance is? How are you going to know what he is calling you to do so you can be obedient? The word, this kind of influence comes from the inside out and affects all of us in our thoughts, words, and actions. And so we can't be out in the, in the world judging people 
that are new, new believers in Christ. We have to be open to the idea that God's going to change them from the inside out. There's a lot of people out there that are hurting, that won't come to church because they don't think they're good enough. And they don't have to be good enough. They just have to come. And the Lord will change them from the inside out. And Jesus isn't asking us to be moral. He's not asking us to be good. He's asking us to be obedient. And it doesn't matter what that looks like. If he calls you to do something, we need to be doing it. Because if you're not obedient in the little thing that he gives you, he's not going to give you something bigger. Because if you're not willing to do the little thing, you're not going to be willing to do the big thing. And if we don't die to our own desires on a daily basis that are not in line with what he says, we're not being obedient. Because we have to surrender everything to Jesus on a daily basis. So if moralism accomplished the goal of what Jesus is calling us to do, being good people, then wouldn't good people who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior be considered salt as well? I'm sure a lot of you have heard people say, if you ask them, how do you get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. Um, when Dave and I were in Montana, when he was a youth pastor there, we actually took our high school students on a trip to Great Falls. And we were about 90 miles north of Great Falls is where we were at. And we it was a small town called Shelby, Montana. And we drove our high schoolers to um, Great Falls, Montana, and we took them to the mall. And we gave them video tapes or uh, cameras, camcorders. It was before phones. <laughs> I had to think of the word. And we asked them if they would go around and they would ask people in the mall if they'd be willing to ask, you know, answer a simple question. And it, the question was, how do you get to heaven? And 90% of the people that they asked said, you have to be a good person. So if we're reading this scripture as you have to be moral and good, then anybody who thinks that they're good enough goes to heaven then what's the difference between us and someone who doesn't know Jesus who does good works? The only answer is the Holy Spirit living inside you. And good works are good, but that's it. There's nothing more. Those people who do good but don't know Jesus do not have the influence of Christ in their life. And only the Holy Spirit living in every believer has the power to make that difference. And that's the difference between you and them. We don't follow the rules because our rule following will save us. We follow the rules because that's what God calls us to do. The law, this perfect for what, with what you said, Julia, the law reveals our sin and our need for a Savior. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16.
So Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So in this verse, Paul is reminding us that the law, like a mirror, reveals our sin and our need for Jesus. So following the law, which is moralism, does not save and therefore doesn't have an impact on the world around us. So it's essential for us to recognize whether we've been living for Christ or whether we've been living a moral life apart from him. Because you can't have both. You have to have either a life in Christ or a life without him. So I want you to think about that. I'm going to say that again. It's essential for us to recognize whether we've been living for Christ or whether we've been living a moral life apart from him. If the second one is true of you, today's the day to repent or turn from moralism and trust in the only way, and that's Jesus. And today you guys will have the opportunity to do communion. Um, with all of us. The communion table is open to anybody who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we don't pass the elements here at Abundant Life. Um, you guys will all have the opportunity to come up and um, take the elements as you feel led by the Holy Spirit. Um, and I want you guys to consider that time. Take the time to come to the altar. If there's anything in your life that you need to confess, you need to turn from, um, maybe you haven't been living a life in Christ, but living a moral life. Um, maybe it's time to make some changes. If something I've said has been weighing heavy on you, come up to the altar, sit where you're at, and pray about it. Do it before you take communion. Um, communion is a very sacred covenant with the Lord. Um, and it's not something that we need to take lightly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, Paul writes, For I have received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus died on the cross, and his body was broken for each one of us, and his blood was shed when he took all of our sins upon himself. Reflect on that as you take communion this morning, because communion is a time of, re of reflection. It's a time of forgiveness. It's a time of repentance. It's a time for where you can connect with Jesus. So if I could have Will and Julia come up if they would like to help. Um, we're going to sing some songs, and as you guys feel led, um, please come up and um, take communion. <laughs>